Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. Morning and welcome to Future Sense here on Bay FM 99.9, broadcast on Monday morning, Monday the 13th of April from 9 to 11, and edited and podcast through futuresense.it within about 24 hours of uh, of the initial broadcast. We are broadcasting from Bay FM at a remote location. Myself, Nick Jeans, and my co-host Steve McDonald. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nick. It's lovely to be able to see you today. I know we're actually in the same room. Steve has come out of two weeks uh, of lockdown on Friday, yeah. and so we're actually able to be in the same space, but with appropriate social distance. Uh, I can see you across there, <laughs> uh, uh, across the way there, with our with our large screen and uh, you know the cone of silence. You can see exactly. Mm. So uh, today's show, um, in the midst of this continuing crisis that we are in on the whole planet, a time never before seen in so many ways, and there are many things that are somewhat clear and there are many things that are not. We're going to look at some of those things that are not so clear today, perhaps, but also about the change process itself, yeah? Yeah, we'll start out talking about navigating the landscape of change with reference to value systems and how understanding the the deep uh, flow of value systems which underlies everything that's going on at the moment Mm. can really point us to uh, identifying what might be trying to drag us back to the past and what might be pulling us towards a more evolved and capable future. And then in the second half of the show, uh, we're going to talk about the media, how our media has been responding in general, and that's both mainstream media and social media, and also how the information that we're getting from the media is informing our response and how various countries are dealing with that differently. There are some countries now, for example, New Zealand, that are actually planning for coming out of lockdown reasonably soon. Yes. It's interesting. The word respond is a piece that I have here today. I was going to read at some point. It comes from the word spondere in Latin, which means to answer, to pledge or to promise in return. It has a deeper meaning, I think. And to me, that's kind of interesting because we are being called... I think, in some sense or other, to have a, a deeper response to this from wherever we are and however we've been affected by all of this. Absolutely, and, and having time alone to contemplate really feeds into that as well. does indeed. I've got a lovely uh, piece here from uh, good friend Richard Jones who posts on so- social media, does a lot of wonderful stuff. This is a quote partly from uh, the uh, site I Love uh, Fucking Science. You may not, that's the title of the, the website. Um, and it's really about the quietness here, because for me, in talking about the change process, one of the clear things, as you just alluded to, is that we're in this process of lockdown, of isolation, of something we've never experienced before, any of us. And this is a little bit, a little short piece about some of that and some of the positives and also, well, what do we do then? What's the, what's the process next? That we res- how do we respond to this? And he goes, the world is a quieter place now 
that one-third of humanity is cooped up indoors under global lockdown measures. Lockdowns associated with COVID-19 pandemic have reduced the amount of anthropogenic seismic noise or sounds and thus vibrations created by human movement through things like travel, rock concerts and commuting to work. This drop in seismic noise, which nature calls the hum of vibrations in the planet's crust, means the planet is moving less. The whole planet is quieter, according to Belgian researchers who've recorded a 33% drop in noise. Interesting. And also the carbon dioxide emissions have dropped significantly. And the quote here is, I wouldn't be shocked to see a 5% or more drop in carbon dioxide emissions this year, something not seen since the end of World War II, said Rob Jackson, who is chair of the Global Carbon Project and a professor of Earth System Science at Stanford University in California. Neither the fall of the Soviet Union nor the various oil or savings and loan crises of the past 50 years are likely to have affected emissions the way this crisis is. So we're talking about emissions here, but I think generally speaking, the quietness on the planet. Planet Earth has had a little breather, but how long will it last? Will we simply resume our plundering destructive ways when this virus passes? It's a good question. We might consider while we are pausing whether we actually need to go on cruises or to fly to Bali for massages and meditation. Do we really need that new handbag or to update the car? Our reckless, feckless behaviour has brought case, has brought issues, many issues, to Mother Nature. And during this pause, we might like to consider how we live when it's over. And this is a question that I think is really important to me. Anyway, this, this seems to be what people are talking about. How do we respond as we go forward? Yeah, a lot of what you said there really speaks to what's going on on a global scale in terms of this value shift as well, where we've got a parallel process going on. One is the collapse of the old value system and and everything in society which has been shaped by that. And the other thing, of course, is the emerging paradigm, the rise of the emerging paradigm, which is bringing new solutions and the potential to live in a more peaceful and cleaner world. Beautiful. You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. You're tuned to Future Sense here on Bay FM 999. Thanks for joining us today. And as you know, we are recording from a remote location actually on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, um, the day of resurrection, uh, and uh, broadcasting now. So you can't use a text line, unfortunately. We can't make that uh, have that that wonderful exchange with you that we usually have that will come back eventually. But please contribute via our social media platforms. Uh, to anything that we are discussing and say hello and uh, joining us. Thank you so much for being with us here on Future Sense. And as I said, uh, the podcasts are within 24 hours produced and uploaded through uh, futuresense.it. And we're talking about the change process today to begin with on a broad scale on the planet with all this going on. We are indeed. And the outbreak of COVID-19 has definitely accelerated the values shift at a global level, taking us beyond the modern, modern paradigm. And increasing the evolutionary tension there's a modern paradigm just driving by there that's it that's it someone's on their bike wave wave. get on your bike Uh, uh, increasing the evolutionary tension available to drive the change process uh, as it has uh, has changed the way that we're living uh, in in very serious ways so i thought it would be good just to talk about the change process briefly uh, and both this and understanding the values shift that's going on can sort of 
help people when they're listening to the news and listening to other people talking about what's going on to start to sort the old paradigm from the new paradigm mm. and understand which direction we're, we're mm. heading in, which direction is going to serve yeah, us. That's, that's a wonderful thing, folks, and uh, take note of that, really, because this is a wonderful model. And just doing that in a very simple way of, of looking at uh, things and the language and the way things are presented, can you determine exactly that, where you sit with that and where things are actually coming from that you receive, particularly through the media? Yeah, so the change process takes us on what Joseph Campbell called the hero's journey. It's a transformational ride involving leaving the comfort of our normal life conditions, in inverted commas, venturing into the unknown, experiencing some stress and sometimes a personal crisis that can be transformational. And by transformational, I mean literally rewiring our neural networks, changing our neurochemistry, changing the way that we perceive reality at the deepest level. In the process of that, we gain insights, often with the help of guidance from others along the way. We perceive a new way to live and perhaps even find a new life path, overcoming the obstacles in the process and feeling energized. And finally, after an integration process, returning to normal, but it's not the same normal, it's a new normal. Mm -hmm. A new normal that is more complex, more capable and, and more enjoyable, let's hope. So you can think of what we're going through at the moment and this whole global paradigm shift, which is stretching out over many, many years, as a kind of a birth process. And I think it's actually quite a good analogy to think about a birth. And, you know, a birth is a, a joyous thing and a new human being is welcomed in, into the world. So I think it's pretty well accepted that, you know, birth can, is a wonderful thing. There's no question about that. But if you think about the actual process of going through that, and of course, uh, I don't know this from experience, and there are plenty of women out there who do, uh, you know, involves pains and contractions and the whole process that you have to learn to work with. You know, things get stretched, you know, sometimes they tear and need to be stitched up. And, uh, and Graphic you know, analogy there today, Steve. That's very good. The more you understand what's happening and how you can work with the natural flow of that process, then the the easier, I think it's reasonable to say, it, it can be and, and maybe even the faster you know, it happens as well. Um, and it's it's great to just compare that to what's going on at the moment and how people, different people from different walks of life are trying to give advice on you know how we should do this. And mm. a couple of things come out of that analogy. And the first thing is it's really important to actually know what's going on, right? If you know you know which direction things are headed in, then it's much easier to work with it. It's coming out this way. That's right. <laughs> uh, and. Um, I mean, imagine if you got halfway through a birth and then you weren't sure if it was coming in or going out. I mean, they're very confusing, very confusing. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, contrasting that is uh, some folks who, with the very best of intentions, are just saying that, you know, all we need to do is think loving thoughts and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with thinking loving thoughts, but if you're in the middle of a childbirth and you're not really thinking about what's going on, uh, then, you know, you're not going to be having the, mm. the most efficient and effective experience. You may need some kind of intervention for that matter that's right exactly exactly so we need to stay grounded and actually learn as much as we can about what's going on how we can best work with the process and uh, and be informed basically so that uh, change process is summarized in Claire Graves's work quite simply as a as a, a sequence of uh, a few milestones which start at stability move into stress when the life conditions change and then as a result of the natural human response of 
trying to fix things without initially understanding what's going on, we descend into a, a highly stressed kind of chaotic phase, which is where the transformation takes place. It's yeah. like the alchemist's furnace where yeah. the heat is so hot that things get changed in the pot. Calcinadio is that particular part of the alchemist's process. Yeah, called. and then there's a, at some point there's a tipping point, a breakthrough, hmm. where we have insights, we see the path ahead, and then when once we are able to move beyond the obstacles, we're generally highly energized and very keen to get where we're going and we end up coming back to a stability again but at a new and more capable place it's also the case isn't it as we move to a new layer of consciousness in this way that we transcend but we also include the lower layers it's not like replacing the old with a brand new thing and discarding it it's actually including those those other layers that we've we've learned from yeah like an onion growing a new layer or a student moving from fourth grade to fifth grade yeah that's exactly right and if we look at Claire Graves's model and we look back at the previous paradigms you know we had the agricultural paradigm which is still very much there and very much an important part of life on the planet but it's no longer the, the dominant global mindset and then prior to that, you know, we had the the uh, egocentric, warlike paradigm, uh, which which is not all bad, even though I've used those terms to describe it. I mean, it's really about uh, recognizing our individuality and exercising our right to be who we are uh, in a in a more balanced sort of perspective. Mm, almost on an archetypal level, you could say it's sort of the experience of the warrior energy. It is. It is exactly that. Yeah, and it, and it needn't be a bad thing. No. although sometimes it is, of course. Of course. And then prior to that, we've got traditional tribalism and and mm. uh, you know basic survival at the base of the model, and all of those things are still here, of course, in varying degrees. Uh, and they're, they're all part of the puzzle that makes up who we are and how we live on this planet at this time. And in fact, as we've said before, too, in different parts of an individual's life, those layers that you're living through will change on a daily basis from a workspace to a home space, for example, and many others. So you may be living through uh, different expressions of different layers within your life all the time. In fact, we are. We are. Mm-hmm. We are. We all do. Exactly. So the global value shift that we're talking about is, is the movement beyond the modern paradigm, beyond the scientific industrial era, which has lasted for a few hundred years, and to a new way of being human, which all signs tell us is going to be relatively short-lived and may only last a decade or two before we have this huge quantum leap into uh, being something very different which may even be the emergence of a new species Uh, some things are pointing towards that now so in terms of where we're at right now we are exiting the modern paradigm and probably not quite at the tipping point into the new paradigm yet so i would place us on that sort of abbreviated model that claire graves has of the change process i'd place us at the entry into the chaos, probably. So we've certain we've had the stress around for you know quite a while now, mm. uh, decades at least, where we've felt this tension between the way that we're living and the way that things could be, and that's sort of shown itself as waves of people demanding social change. You know, probably the sort of the sixties and the seventies yeah. are the biggest ones in living memory for sure. Mm. But that that's been an ongoing thing and a growing thing. Um, and we are, I think, nearing the end of that stress aspect of the change mm. journey and getting ready to move into the chaos. And I think this, this global scale epidemic or pandemic that we're uh, facing at the moment 
may well be like the marker of the entry point into the chaos zone, I believe. And the chaos zone will last a while. I'm Again, the indications, the sort of signs that I'm seeing about the, the rough timescale of this shift, even though I really don't know what the timescale is going to be, this is just a best guess, mm. uh, telling me that it may take 15 to 20 years from now before we really come out the other side and have that sense of stability once again and we have a, a completely new dominant global paradigm which is based around this emerging mm. worldview of uh, reconnecting with the earth, reconnecting with each other. Yeah. I've got a little piece here from Monica Bourgeau's book, The Change Code, which Steve wrote the forward for, we quote here quite often, uh, about the transition from orange to green. She says, orange begins to break down when overconsumption wreaks havoc and the need for inner peace grows. Here's why. Material success brings the luxury of time to ponder the meaning of life and notice the loneliness and absence of spiritual nourishment. And for most people, burnout from overwork prompts a desire for greater inner peace. The materialistic nature of this layer no longer needs uh, meets the needs of an increasingly complex society, and so on. And I think there's some really great keys there because I know that the uh, the emotion that drives the transition into this layer of green is loneliness, isn't it? And in this society we have uh, interconnected in the way we are, but suddenly we we are experiencing loneliness. We have a, a, a lot of uh, uh, mental health issues on the planet anyway, but now we're forced into an isolation where we really face directly with that loneliness, I would suggest, for many people. Absolutely, and and having all of a sudden more loneliness thrust upon us, really, it increases that evolutionary tension, you know, yep. like the tension on an elastic band to sort of, to shoot us back in the opposite direction. So that's part of the reason why, uh, you know, we're saying that this is accelerating the shift, what we're going through at the moment. In terms of uh, precedents, all we really are able to look back on at the moment is the shift out of the agricultural era into the scientific industrial era. We don't have any really good information about the previous transitions, uh, basically, because some of them happened before our recorded history. But that the, the past, the previous transition into the scientific and industrial era took quite a long time. It actually was actually stretched out over hundreds of years. Mm. And as we move forward in time to the present day with increasingly fast communication technology, the faster an, an idea can spread, the faster change can happen. So um, if you look long-term right back to you know our earliest understanding of the emergence of hunter-gatherer humans, um, we can see that the transition times have become shorter and shorter and shorter mm. up until the present day. Um, that, that last transition from the agricultural era involved things like moving beyond class-based societies mm. and moving beyond things like slavery. There was an awful lot of conflict during that transition period and you know the earliest signs of it might go back even to sort of around the 11 or 1200s you know which was the the dark ages where there was a lot of conflict going on a lot of people trying to enforce values on other people who didn't want them it's a very strong uh, right or wrong uh, modality isn't it of yes yeah yeah the the old agricultural paradigm was for sure mm. Uh, and then if we look at the transition to industrial life, uh, the metal printing press came out around about 1440 and the Industrial Revolution lasted roughly from about 1760 to 1840. So you can yeah. see right there there's a, a period of hundreds of years mm. for that industrialization to roll out. Mm. 
This time it's going to be much quicker. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. And as I said, it's because of our communications technology and that overall trend of change where we can look back through all of the paradigms and uh, we can see that each each one has been shorter than the previous mm. one and the transition periods have got shorter and shorter and shorter. So I, I guess that's the good news is that mm. we're, you know, we're probably not looking at any longer than about 20 years from now to be somewhat stable in the new paradigm. The thing that occurs to me with this, though, is the word complexity itself because it's, it's kind of like the key. And uh, in my experience, having become involved with Graves' work, Claire W. Graves' work in the last couple of years through you, uh, what I've noticed out there is that while people want to start talking about complexity of life, they sort of start to tabulate and go, oh, yeah, it is more complex. But generally speaking, a lot of people don't actually factor in the incredible increasing complexity of life on Earth now. Somehow, a lot of people, I think I'm generalizing big time here, I know, but look back and say, actually, things are really the same. We're really the same way, but we're not. Clearly, we're not at all. No. A lot of people get confused when you Mm. talk about complexity. Some people mistake it for uh, diversity, you know, where you've got a lot of different... Pieces of knowledge. Uh, And I mean, you can go back, way back to the earliest paradigms. I mean, you know, take the the original tribal civilizations who had vast amounts of knowledge of the environment and of the movement of the stars and all Mm. sorts of things. So there was, you know, it wasn't simple in terms of their access to vast amounts of knowledge. But the complexity was simple because the the interactions between, you know, different aspects of life... Mm. Uh, and the implications of doing one thing and how it might affect a whole raft of other things, you know, that's what's increased. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, there are many, many factors for that. And, and one of the most, I guess, important ones is our technology, our connective technology, where we're, we're not just connected to our local, local tribe anymore. We're connected all over the world to multiple tribes. We sort of collapsed time in a sense, too, I'm thinking as you're speaking, because in those earlier periods of uh, our existence, uh, very much we were in a linear time scale. This happened and we knew oh, that would happen. The harvest would come then and so forth. Now things are collapsed to such a degree where that really isn't the same anymore. We're not. Uh, we're kind of in the moment much more all the time, if you want to be, if you want to be that connected. So it offers a completely different opportunity for uh, understanding or taking in or grokking that complexity somehow. Yeah, we did a show on uh, yeah. how perception of time changes uh, with the different value systems, actually. If you want to dig back through the past episodes, you'll find that. So uh, let's have a look at some of the, the central themes that are, uh, rolling out and the, the things that are changing between the modern paradigm and uh, this emerging paradigm because these are really the key indicators that you can look for to, to understand which direction certain things are heading in. We'll take a little break and come back with exactly that here on Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald here on BFM 99.9 or listening via the podcast. Hello out there anywhere in the world that you may be listening to this show. Thank you for joining us and please pass it around. We'll be back shortly. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. You're listening to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald, and today we're talking about how to use value systems to help us navigate the landscape of change, something very relevant to life at the moment. We've been talking about the change process, and now I'm going to look at very specifically this transition beyond the modern paradigm to the relativistic or postmodern era, which we expect to be fairly short-lived. And we're going to talk specifically about how values are changing, You know, the things that we value, the things that motivate us, how they're shifting. 
And the the idea of speaking about that today is to give you a bit of a, a compass with which you can figure out which direction to head. You know, whether you're inclined to hang on to the old paradigm and restore things as they were, or whether you're inclined to move forward and be pulled forward into creating a new world. Could you say, if I may interject, just on that point, I find fascinating because there is a lot of fear afoot out there. And I imagine that people who are experienced, and fear is understandable in this situation. It's a, fear, it's a fearsome time in so many ways. Of course it is. Uh, you may have lost your job, you know, let alone the, the, uh, the medical implications that may be there for you or your family. But that, um, that feeling of fear also, I would suggest, or does it happen, that that keeps you back in your earlier generations of, uh, of layers, that uh, keeps you back where you are, or even throws you back further into an earlier generation. So you don't get a lot of movement, I guess what I'm saying, for some people. Evolution's an interesting thing, you know. It's... Uh, it's, it's vastly intelligent and it's organized itself so that usually when we're faced with changing life conditions the first natural response is to think backwards to a time when things were okay halcyon days yeah so and you know i think it's reasonable to say that people who are afraid of change would probably do that naturally Mm. as well which is most people to be honest Most, most people are afraid of change so this is why we're experiencing at the moment what's called a regressive value search, where we're looking back to older ways to see if they might solve the problems that we're facing, these new problems, which don't seem to be getting solved by our modern scientific industrial way anymore. Uh, so that's a perfectly natural dynamic. And in fact, it speeds up the change process because it's like pulling an elastic band, stretching an elastic band on a slingshot. And, and by going backwards, we actually stretch that band even further and create more and more tension. So more and more potential to uh, fire us forward into a new world. Uh, so some of the values that are shifting, and I'm talking now about the change of values between the scientific industrial paradigm and the emerging relativistic some might call it postmodern communal paradigm so the the first and perhaps the most important one is the key driver within the scientific industrial era has been personal success or personal ambition so it, it was an individually oriented era and the idea was that you need to be the best that you can be and uh there were many things that came along with that, like, for example, the, the sense of competition, the, needing, mm. the need to compete, wanting to compete with somebody else. And thus arose things like marketing and entrepreneurialism in order to satisfy your particular agenda. Exactly, exactly. So the emerging era is driven by human connection. And that's a very, very different thing. It's very much apples and oranges. It's, it's not that ambition you know, is, is shifting per se. It's that ambition is no longer central at all. Uh, what, we're, what is central now is that desire for deeper human connection. And, and of course, that fits very well with the idea that we're transitioning from an individually oriented era to a communal era. In the old paradigm, knowledge is discoverable and you go out there and find it and you make up your own mind and make up your own rules based on the knowledge that you can discover. But in the emerging paradigm, all knowledge is relative. So everybody has a different truth and there is no 
scientific, single scientific truth according to the new paradigm. Mm. It's all relative. It depends on who you are and how you're looking and what you're looking at. And we're certainly seeing that at the moment with the amount of information that is out there in media generally, either the authoritative uh, official media line or somewhere in the middle or to the to the far extremes of some of the conspiracy theories out there. There's just about, there's a sort of level playing field attempting to be put in place, not by anybody in particular, but there's so many possibilities of how to look at this. And this is a problem with Green, isn't it? Because Green can become overwhelmed and confused by the, the many and try and figure out, well, what's the truth here? Who's got the truth? Let's all listen to the truth. Yeah, so so Green is a colour that's attributed to this emerging mm. paradigm, Layer Thank 6 in, in Graves' model, uh, based on the Spiral Dynamics book. And it does seek a level playing field. That's very, very true. And what we see, if we look back through all the paradigms uh, throughout history, each new one has a bit of a backlash you know, towards the old one uh, and mm. it, it looks at what felt really wrong about the old paradigm and it, and it actually goes a little overboard to try and compensate for that. And what how that plays out at the moment is that um, whereas the old uh, modern paradigm was about progression on merit, people being successful, and so those who, were, who had the most merit and were the most successful ended up at the top of a hierarchy, a dominant hierarchy, and that doesn't feel nice uh, to the emerging paradigm. So the, the drive then is to level the playing field, bring everything down to size. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and as I was saying before, all knowledge becomes relative. And, and that, that is really playing havoc with science at the moment uh, because once you level the playing field, you miss, you miss things like cause and effect processes mm. because they are vertical processes. And if you flatten everything out, then you just miss that. And so what you do, according to the emerging paradigm, is you consult your network and talk to the people around you and come up with a relative truth that fits your situation. And especially, can you go for consensus and inclusion? So everybody's voice ideally needs to be heard, which yeah. is wonderful, uh, theoretically, but not necessarily the best way to get a result no, quickly and, enough. And that's one of the confounders at the moment yeah. is... is there, with our social media technology and plus this shifting value set that is looking to level the playing field and come up with a relative truth based on consensus mm. and this endless flood of information that's coming in from social media and mainstream media, some of it you know, very much conflicting, it creates a perfect storm. Also wonder, as you're, as you're speaking here too, about leadership, because obviously in this layer, in, in layer six, in the green layer, leadership becomes the idea of hierarchy itself is questionable, is, is suspicious for many people. And so leaders uh, are not who you think they are. You don't necessarily give a lot of credence to the leaders who are coming from the previous paradigm that are still dominant. And yet we are finding that we are. Uh, falling in line pretty much with our leaders. So is that a regressive step? As a, before? Yes, mm. yeah, it's a regressive step because we're under pressure. We're being thrust into a change process unexpectedly mm. uh, and therefore we're regressing to fall back in line with the old paradigm. Uh, that's, that's happening widespread at the moment. And, of course, we recommend that you do that in terms of the social distancing and the things that are coming from our government and agencies at this time, but it does on a deeper level bring up some questions about how we do what we do and why we are doing it now. Yeah, exactly, and also what we're moving forward to in, yeah. the, in the short term. So the emerging paradigm is very much about restoring balance too, uh, and the old paradigm has shifted resources around, and those who've been most successful have ended up with a whole bunch of resources, 
and those people who haven't been successful, which is the other 99%, have missed out in many, many cases. And so that, that looks like something that needs fixing to the new paradigm and, and uh, it will work actively to try and restore the balance in every respect, you know, not just around the allocation of resources, but uh, restoring the balance of nature, restoring all things uh, to some kind of balance within life, including uh, inner peace as, you know, as part of that yeah. as well. Um, and that includes um, the, the in the the sort of sense of being rewarded for things in life. You know, everybody needs to have equal access to those rewards. Whereas, of course, in the old paradigm, uh, only the winner gets the trophy, kind of thing. Um, and again, that sort of links back to the competition thing in the old paradigm. But cooperation is best for the new paradigm. And we're seeing uh, movements towards, for example, universal basic income. That discussion is up again. It's been around now for quite a while, but particularly the last few years, it's popped up. But suddenly now, in this climate that we're in, those those sort of ideas, those more sort of social uh, equalizers, are coming into play more. Yeah, very interesting discussion right there. Actually, I mean, any system, any tool is really without any inherent morality. Uh, You know, it comes down to the human who uh, designs the system and the human who puts the system in place and controls the system. That's where the morality comes into. Mm. And so universal basic income under a government or under some sort of... uh, Social coordination system. Um, let's let's you know not even call it government because it might not look anything like the government that we have at the moment. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> oh, thank goodness. A, a universal basic income under a new paradigm system might be a wonderful thing, mm. but a universal basic income under the old paradigm uh, dominant hierarchy then becomes a tool for controlling you. Yep. basically. So it's you know it's very very interesting and the. The important issue is that the the system itself is not the good or bad thing, right? So it's it's not really appropriate to be saying is a universal basic basic income a good thing or a bad thing. The question is, okay, whose system is it, <laughs> and how's it going to be maintained? You know, and who are the people and what are their values? You know, who are who are organising that? Because That's- if the same leaders are in place after this uh, happens, which I'm sure they're vying to be in place around the world, then you can be sure that things like UBI will be utilised to create some sort of efficient system whereby they profit in the end, to put it um, cynically but pretty bluntly true. And that's that's just a reflection of the the values. That's that's the way it is. Mm. So uh, what else have I got here? I'm just looking through a couple of old slides from talks that I've given on this topic. There's a couple of extra things here just uh, to, to wind got this up. Little, the, got this little piece yeah. too, just about the green thing. I thought this is really wonderful, written yeah. by Katie Lamont. Uh, as a briefing about uh, uh, really very layer six, the green layer. She says, uh, and, and to do with media and the information that comes in, if you believe this virus is spread human to human, the antidote is building the immune system and eating plants and natural medicines and sitting in nature alone or with your immediate family, soaking up vitamin D and sunshine. If you believe that this virus has uh, symptoms of 5G exposure, then the antidote is sitting in nature, connecting to Mother Earth, building your immunity and eating plants and natural medicines and submerging yourself in water and dirt. If you believe that this is all a hoax and you just need to sit back while Q saves us all, then the answer uh, is sitting in nature, building a garden for the new earth, communing with God, eating plants and natural medicines and strengthen your connection and open your channels to the new earth frequency. Uh, If you believe the economy is collapsing and authoritarian dictatorship is imminent, the most radical thing you can do is protest by building a garden, releasing dependency on the system. Uh, 
And if you believe that Mother Earth is mad at us and purging the human race, the answer is go outside and listen. Build a garden, align with her. The answer is always nature. Always. Very interesting new paradigm parable there, Nick. Um, you know, like that. The important thing to remember is that while you're sitting in your garden, there are other people with different value sets who are doing other shit. Completely alternative plans. <laughs> so we just have to take that into account also. But it's a very good thing to be in your garden and sitting with nature, which is something that I'm doing at the moment. And we are very fortunate, many of us in this kind of region, to be able to do that. And uh, yeah, thinking of the many millions and billions of people on the, in the, on the planet who are in much more dire circumstances than we are at the moment. That's right. I, I missed out by two days when I came back from overseas on being confined to yeah. a, a motel room, and I'm so glad that I missed out on that. It would have been rather challenging, I think. Yeah, so uh, just to wind up this, this value shift and how things are changing, um, the old paradigm builds allies that it can work with in order to be successful. The new paradigm builds communities. Mm very very different concept communities being a holistic you know whole of life kind of concept and ally being simply someone who's useful to help you get what you want in the new paradigm uh, inner inner peace brings harmony so that's a, a very important and central part of the new paradigm and one of the characteristics of the emergence of this new paradigm is having the time to actually cultivate that You'll find mm. people who are immersed in the rat race, generally they'll need to bail out of the rat race in order to find the time to make this transition into the new paradigm. And that's why, you know, the, the tree change, sea change trend mm. has been very, very clear. I mean, people who are caught in that world still obviously have not accessed or not aware of the capacity that is emerging in them to have a, a much bigger expression of themselves too, exponen- exponentially and uh, existentially. Uh, start to ask bigger questions and start to change behaviours to to uh, mirror those those understandings. That's right, and no doubt many of them are feeling the tension of being caught in that rat race mm. and, and feeling drawn to want to get out of it somehow. Uh, and uh, this lockdown and pressing the global pause button has certainly been a gift in that respect because it has allowed people to stop and do some contemplation. And, and for that reason, it will feed the, the shift. Mm. Yeah. I think also along with that piece I just read there, this, this notion of self-healing, you know, we are going along with the things we need to do to stay safe. But there's also, I think, certainly it's easy to speak in our little bubble here in Byron Shire, but I suspect that there's quite a lot of people out there who are looking at different ways of self-healing themselves in this situation and whatever that may look like to, to you out there, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I hope going through those value sets has given you a better sense of what this value shift, this global value shift involves and uh, may help you recognise and also to some extent depersonalise this process of realising what it is out there and who it is out there that's trying to drag us back to the old way and who it is and what it is out there that might be pulling us forward to create a new world based around more complex and capable value sets that are far more likely to solve the key challenges that we're facing both locally and globally at the moment. And uh, the other thing I find really interesting about just deferring to value sets, which is, you know, it's a deeper current, is that it takes a lot of the 
the troubled detail out of these things. I mean, just just look at the conflict that's been going on within governments around the world, governments that are, for the most part, aligned with the old value set and who are fighting amongst themselves mm. and becoming fragmented. Intense polarisation, as we've talked about on this show before. That's right. And the older systems are asking us to choose, okay, which one do you want to do you want to back in this process? But an understanding of values would reveal to you that actually both sides are the old way, you know, and really what we need is a new system mm. that bypasses that system. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. We'll take another break. Thanks for being with us here on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans, broadcast on Bay FM 99.9 and podcast through futuresense.it within 24 hours of this broadcast today. Thanks for being with us and stay tuned to Bay FM. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking Future Sense here on Bay FM. Uh, just quickly, before we mentioned the, uh, the the idea of cognitive dissonance, which you would have all heard of, psychologist Leon Festinger first proposed that theory of how people try to reach internal consistency in response to, to challenges outside. He suggested that people have an inner need to ensure that their beliefs and behaviours are consistent, inconsistent or conflicting beliefs lead to disharmony, which people strive to avoid and people will when they experience this, will kind of do anything to satisfy the hunger, if you will, literally sometimes the hunger, to satisfy that cognitive dissonance. And in this current situation, uh, we're, we're faced with uh, a whole bunch of challenges to our behaviour. Our behaviour's changed. We're a whole bunch of challenges to our beliefs even, for some people perhaps, and certainly conflicting phenomena, and particularly within the media, about what is going on. So I think there's a lot of people who are psychologically quite unstable in response to this, for trying to find a stable place in response to this at the moment. Yeah, that's that's really uh, very true, Nick. And value systems, again, offer a, a solution to this. If we, can, if we know our own values and then we start to look at the information being provided to us from a value systems perspective, mm. it helps us sort things out. Uh, I, I would, as a word of caution, just say that words are cheap, so you really need to look at people's actions. You know, there's that old biblical mm. saying, you shall know them by their fruit, yes. not by their spin. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think, I think they, Jesus said that, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty spin. sure. Um, First known use of the word in that context. That's right. So, <laughs> so you know, the, the old paradigm, people who are living from that value set are opportunist. They will... Mm. They will seek to take advantage of whatever they can in order to achieve that success that they're seeking. And we're all familiar probably with the term greenwashing, which is a classic example of old paradigm taking something that's new and attractive to the new paradigm and then putting a coat of paint on it and uh, and spinning it as being a wonderful new paradigm thing when actually it's, a, it's aligned with the old value set. And we know this by other terms such as marketing, spin, propaganda. And we learned a lot, of course, from the experience of uh, World War II when they explored the use of psychiatry and psychology during warfare to shape messages uh, in order to deceive and, um, and to cover uh, hidden agendas and those sorts of things. So uh, this leads us into the next part of the show where we're going to talk about the, the media's role in what's going on with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic right here and how this shift, this change between the old paradigm and the new paradigm and the global systems that we have in place, in particular our media and communication systems which have been designed 
and operated by the people coming from the old value set, uh, how they're impacting our capacity to know what's going on, our capacity to make clear choices about what we need to do and our capacity to plan for the future. Mm. Yeah, just one little piece, uh, one line that's staring out at me as you're speaking about cognitive dissonance that says this, the greater the strength of the dissonance, the more pressure there is to relieve the feelings of discomfort. So actually this cognitive dissonance that people may be feeling in these many ways are actually an impulse to to change and to move forward too. It's another trigger for that. Yeah, exactly. And it's important to be able to somehow decipher the, uh, you know, the core truth behind the messages that we're hearing so we understand actually what choices we're being offered and we can make informed choices. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.